This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and business partner, Steve Cockrum, the pioneer. Steve, where are you at today? I'm in sunny London again, but I am coming over to Atlanta on Wednesday, so I think we're going to be together there, aren't we? But this, can you believe, Jeremy, this is our 12th podcast. This is episode 12, yeah. It's, uh, I think we should call it pure gold, because that's what people are calling it. Um, to say humbly, I just want to, I want to say I'm humbly saying it's pure gold. We, we should tell them about our new book that's coming out next year, Effortless Humility and How We Mastered It. It is going to be smoking hot. It's so Pure good. gold. Pure gold. <laughs> Seven effortless steps to the humility you've always wanted and uh, how we mastered it. So I think people are enjoying it. I'm, get, I'm getting feedback from people going, hey, I heard your podcast, thumbs up. It's great. You know, what we do, we try to please, but uh, yeah. it's, it's that combination of we want to bring liberation and some humor along the way. So hopefully Absolutely. all of you uh, will appreciate Absolutely. our banter. I get, I get sack loads of fan mail every week. I don't know how many you get, but honestly, <laughs> my postman my postman's put his back out carrying all the all the letters saying thank you so much for the wisdom that's being brought. So I'm sure it's the same now, for you in Oklahoma. Well, the only, person, the only people that I know that write letters are older, like really old. Yeah. So that's probably interesting. Uh, Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're getting def- I think you're getting defensive, Jeremy. Let's move on before we cause trouble. Uh, <laughs> hey, last week, last uh, the last podcast, uh, episode eleven, we talked with John Beatty about climbing Mount Everest. That was awesome. He was so amazing. Uh, I, I was, it was. I was in awe, like listening to him. It's like I want to be there. Which there's an opportunity, which we'll tell you guys here in a minute. Come there's on. an opportunity to actually go to Mount Everest uh, after our conversation with John. So for those who are interested. Uh, that's a that, that's a little uh, planted seed for a hint of what is coming here. But um, so that was great. So let's pick that back up, Steve. What were some highlights from you, from from John in that conversation? I think the um, a deeper understanding of what the Sherpa role is, um, and understanding even within the Sherpas that there was a a differentiation between those who climbed and those who trekked, and the incredible. I guess it wasn't they did it for them. But without them, they'd never have made it. And I think that was the reflection of going, you know, as we're seeking to, in many ways, help leaders go to the, the, the next level in their self-awareness and understanding, it reflected very much our experiences that we can only help people and try and be there as an encouragement and show the way. But if they don't want to climb, we can't carry them. That was the big aha for me is in the end, if somebody actually is expecting us to do it for them it will never work but the, the sherpa's primary role is to be the guide to be the expert in many ways to be the encouragement and be the one that stops them giving up when they're tempted to and in john's case produces a you know bottle of oxygen when his oxygen's run out honestly i, I was i was afraid he was going to die if it wasn't for the fact he'd actually been on the podcast when when kind of his uh, his regulator had frozen over i'm going but what happened what happened so that that i think for me would be the the two main things i've i've kind of personally reflected on this week that for the people that I'm trying to help climb, I can't do it for them. But if I'm not there, the chance of them making it are very limited. And and to piggyback on that, I, I would also say how interesting the thought of him, how hard it is to just climb alone. I mean, like with a Sherpa. 
So for him to think he took so much time preparing, the energy, the money he spent, uh, the taxing energy, the just physical labor, all that that get for him to get up the mountain, and then to think, what would it be like for a Sherpa if you were a Sherpa? So if you were a climbing Sherpa, you're having to climb the mountain as well as help someone else get up the mountain. And I think it was so helpful to hear that because we've been talking about that for so long that we're about 100x. 100% means getting yourself up the mountain, learning how to be as healthy as possible. But then how to multiply, how to actually help someone else go up the mountain, it's a different mindset because you've got to be physically able to do that. I mean, these Sherpas have climbed Mount Everest or attempted to climb probably dozens of times. Um, but to, to be able to climb it is one thing to, to bring other people with you. It's a whole nother mindset. And that's something what we want to do for the listener today. We want to talk to you about this idea of, um, you know, how do you actually help other people climb a mountain? So let's, let's, let's act as if you're a mountain guide or you're a Sherpa. What does it take for you to take other people up? And what are the ways that you can multiply? So in our analogy, we say 100x, so 100% is healthy, uh, uh, leading yourself, getting 100% healthy, climbing the mountain yourself. The X is actually taking another group up the mountain with you. So, Steve, you want to walk through what our intentional multiplication looks like and how we describe that? Yeah, I think um, I think of all the leaders we meet, there are lots of leaders who are worth following. There's a lot of people who are, you know, they, they've really worked at their own leadership. But in our experience, there is hardly anybody who's really done the hard work to work out how do I multiply the transformation I've experienced into the lives of those I lead. And I think, <clears throat> even for us, Jeremy, I think over the last two, three years, realizing that actually understanding the how, actually breaking that down and then creating a way in which we can pass that on. So where we've come to for just, just quickly is to show that if you're gonna multiply anything, you know, whether it's a skill set, a role, um, that really what we have is four multiplication methodologies. And they're all actually, um, you need all of them to really achieve what it is you're trying to do. And they all have different returns on investment. And in some ways, you have to get to at least conscious competence in each one. So the first one is what we call informing. And, and that really is the classic information delivery, really to any number of people, where in effect there is little, there's no real interaction. It might be a keynote, it might be an email blast, it might be an interview on a podcast. It's basically where you get to give a very clearly consistent message. Everyone hears the same thing. At its best, it can be inspirational and hopefully humorous. You know, there are some significant orators or speeches that are kind of remembered in history as moving people and being deeply inspirational. And then ultimately efficiency, because for a leader who is most short of time, um, the fact that I can give a keynote or a company-wide message, or whatever it may be, I, I, in my own mind at least, think that 2,000 people have heard the information that I'm looking forward to communicating. So informing is strategy one. Jez? Yeah, so with that, that could look like an email, right? I mean, that could be a company Absolutely. newsletter, a company email. Uh, and so and it's not in and of itself a bad thing uh, unless it's the only thing that you do. <laughs> yes. Right. So it's very inspirational at its best and it's efficient, but it's very, very hard we've watched for leaders, even great leaders, to take information and really create transformation that lasts. 
It, it's a real discipline required to do that. So the second methodology is what we call training. And training is probably around about a group of, I don't know, anywhere between about 15 and 70. In a perfect world, I like about 30 to 40 people in a training environment because you get a dynamic in the room. And with training, you, you get a very focused learning because if you're designing the training experience for the people who come for a workshop or a, whatever the learning is, you get to choose the content you want them to engage with, you get to design the experience so that they get a maximum amount of input, new content, fresh delivery, and also an element of um, connection. Because in a training environment, it's not you're gonna get one-to-one -one with everybody, but you do get to kind of understand who's in there, they get to do a little bit of Q&A, and unlike informing, there is an element, some element of two-way communication, and you get to, you know, over a couple of hours in a workshop or a day or whatever it may be, you do get to connect with them and get a sense of where they are and how some of those individuals are really engaging with the content you're sharing. And then lastly, we often talk about the word prospecting because whenever I'm in a training environment, it's interesting to look at who stands out for me, who, who engages, whose insights do I look at and go, wow, that's impressive. And so in some ways, most leaders are always looking for who's coming through the ranks, who's up and coming, who might I have missed. And so therefore, I often, we find that training is one of those environments where you just get to have a look at perhaps the direct reports of your direct reports rather than just dealing with those very small groups. So that's training for those are the three return on investments. And, and training is so important. So if you're leading a team, just think about this. I mean, what do you want to put into them? What do you want to multiply inside people? So this can be skill sets. It's intentional transfer of wisdom or knowledge or specific skill set that if you're only informing, uh, then you're you're attempting to put everything into bullet points or or text. Training then makes it come more alive. So it's an, mm. a really important part of multiplication. And, and our observation will be is so many senior leaders miss out on the impact of that training space. Because they, that people are always coming to them going, hey, can I get a lunch with you? Or can I get a coffee with you? Because people see the influence, but time is so limited. You either end up, you know, if you happen to be a protector, you'll, you'll, you'll end up trying to please everyone and, and be less strategic. Or you sometimes appear slightly distant and not interested. So one of the things we often recommend to leaders is if you're someone who's constantly finding that challenge, why not set up a training environment once or twice a month, maybe a breakfast, maybe a lunch, allocate an hour for it max and say, okay, why don't you come? And what I'm gonna do is 20, 25 minutes, I'm gonna give you a state of the nation. This is what I'm engaging with right now. These are some of the challenges I'm facing. These are some of the company-wide or organizational issues. And then we're just gonna do Q&A together and I'll answer whatever questions you want, but you limit the invite to maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 people, so that people feel they have access to you and you they get to answer questions. And then sometimes when people go, hey, can I have a, can I get a coffee with you, Jeremy, or whatever it is, you, you can say, do you know, I'd love to, but I just don't have all the time for that one-to-one. -one. But do you know, I do a breakfast or I do a lunch or whatever it is once a month. There's one in two weeks time. I'd love to invite you for that. Get with my PA, get on the invite list. I promise you I'll answer your question there. So training sometimes feels like it's purely, um, you know, the classic workshop, whereas actually using that space where you can perhaps, as I said before, gather your direct reports, direct reports, 
so that they feel they have some connection with you. That's often a real win we found for, for busy leaders. It's great. The third one's coaching, Steve. And I, th- this is something that we've both done for uh, decades, probably now, if you think of it. So walk them through what coaching, because again, a lot of people have th- thought of exec coaching, life coaching, all those kind of things. But talk about how that's multiplication. Mm. So I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about being intentional with vocabulary and language, and this is our definition, so, you know, you can choose. But for us, coaching is where you are being very intentional in your investment and the development of somewhere usually between about four to eight people. Um, it's usually your direct reports. It's usually the people that you feel particularly responsible for. And in our mind, coaching is really where you're you're creating an environment for depth of relationship, both for you with the people that you're leading and coaching. It's where you get to know them enough that you're able to calibrate support and challenge. So using voices, for example, knowing their voice and knowing your voice, knowing how you can create an environment where that is appropriate for them. It's also the environment where you get what we call collaborative learning. So when you can get a team of people learning with and from each other, um, that is a massive sort of return on investment for leader time. And the last one is real accountability. We've actually found over the years that accountability for performance for individuals is much stronger when it's to their peers than it necessarily is to a boss or an executive coach. So if a group of people that you're coaching um, sometimes you may meet with them as individuals, but we love the idea sometimes of gathering them regularly as a group to learn with and from each other. The moment someone in the group says, this is my learning opportunity, this is what I want to make a breakthrough in, this is what I want you all to help me, this is my plan, will you all hold me accountable? Once they've told their peers, once they've told that this is what I want, then we found that that accountability piece really drives the change behavior and the change performance. So a lot of leaders say, I wish my people knew each other, I wish they'd learn with and from each other, and I wish we could drive performance. Well, usually what you'll find is it's you need to be very intentional in using that coaching space, the small group, the peer learning group, and also being able to use the one-to-one space in that environment. And this is where access is so important. I mean, you're getting access directly, you're being significant, you're, you're having influence, uh, you're going to know your team really, really well. You're going to know the people really well. It, it's going to be something that's uh, long-term, it's consistent. So at this point, if, if you're coaching someone truly, then they're feeling like you're for them. It'll feel totally different than informing. It'll feel different than training because, again, the direct access is almost like, hey, I get to see uh, behind the curtain. I get to go deeper here. And, and I think that's really important in, in the depth uh, that that you mentioned. So uh, the last one, Steve, you talked about uh, the last one is apprenticeship. So walk us through what apprenticeship and how it takes place in multiplication. So in some ways, I mean, we can. If you're a leader, you can coach most people because that's really helping them develop the skills or the interests or the technical things they have. When we're talking about apprenticeship, the way we define it is to say when you are multiplying a component or part of the functional leadership role that you're currently playing, then you're entering an apprenticeship process. So in theory, you can only really apprentice somebody in something that you're a master craftsman in already. So if somebody comes to me and says, Steve, I'd like you to apprentice me in being a ballerina, 
the chances are that's Pretty good. not necessarily going to... Well, I mean... I, <laughs> Just joking. Keep going, keep I going. I didn't want to say anything, obviously, with my days with the Bolshoi, but that that's not... I may be able to coach them. I may be able to help create an environment where they can be good at something, but it's not my skill set. So apprenticeship is a much smaller group of people, usually between one and three at a time, where you're actually looking intentionally at saying, what are some of the functional leadership roles that I'm playing in? What would I actually love to increase my capacity in, because most leaders reach a capacity constraint where they go, I'd love us to be doing more of this, but I've got no one who can actually do that. So that's one piece of the return for apprenticeship. Scalability. Um, If you're gonna grow your organization, if you're actually gonna be able to take on more of what you're already doing, you have to be able to scale what's there. And then the last one really is, I think one of the most significant is, lasting influence happens when you actually apprentice someone as well. When you commit to walking with them over an extended period of time where you actually raise them up to be able to do something of the leadership that you're currently doing, no one ever forgets that. Um, And often it's hard for them at the time because all apprenticeship involves taking people through conscious incompetence where they feel a failure and they wanna give up and sometimes they blame you for leading them on the journey. But if you actually apprentice someone, if you actually over time multiply your leadership responsibilities into the life of another. They never forget it and it only gets better with the telling. So that's one of those pieces where, you know, unless you've learned to coach, I wouldn't even worry about apprenticeship, but if you really want to go for the top of the mountain, actually multiplication of your functional leadership role, um, that really is kind of the, the summit and so few people have any idea how to do it well. So here's what we've learned for all of those that are listening. Uh, we've been working with hundreds of organizations. We've worked with leaders from all over the world. Most leaders do not intentionally multiply themselves. At best, the majority are healthy. At best, they've led themselves. Uh, I was with one leader this last week and a good friend of mine who's running in a significant organization and he had a major epiphany. He, he's been leading for so long, and he, but he's getting frustrated with certain personalities. That, and he was saying, why can't they see it? Don't, why don't they have the ingenuity to X, Y, Z? And I basically had to hold up a mirror of multiplication in front of him and said, do you know it's your unconscious competence that's doing these things? They don't know how to do it. What are you doing to, to train them? And he had this epiphany of like, I have never thought about that. I've just thought about hiring good people. And most people think about hiring good people. The reality is it's up to us as leaders to get our people to the next level. It's up to us to actually train them on what we expect and hope them to become, which means we have to multiply, which is a process of intentionality. I think most of us are just accidentally living. We're accidentally leading. So we wake up and we do our to-do list. And we hope our other people do their to-do list. And we hope those to-do lists are good. And yet, if we're not thinking intentionally, uh, then and we're not understanding where are they in the process of apprenticeship. So for this person, he had this major epiphany of like, oh my goodness, I feel like I know what to do in the next five years. Like the next five years for him is learning how to get really good at multiplying, which means you have to... You have to handle when to inform, when to train, when to coach, and when to apprentice. But it's the intentional transfer of your wisdom and your knowledge and your skills 
that make that happen. And that's what that's what Steve and I are trying to do. We're trying to get people to lead themselves, yes, but we're also then trying to get them to give themselves away to the people that they're leading. And those are two different things, just like climbing the mountain yourself and then climbing the mountain by leading other people. They take two different skill sets. And if you get them both right, then you'll lead organizations that everyone wants to, to work for. No, that's great. Um, I mean, and don't kid yourself, this is easy, by the way. <laughs> um, because most leaders are too busy. There's already way too much to do. And all of those processes of multiplication are costly because they actually involve a productivity decrease before you actually get the capacity increase. And that's the reason why a lot of people are using forming because in the busyness of their day, just standing up and telling everybody, you know, this is what we're going to do, this is the, the vision of the future, and assuming that informing alone will be enough to create lasting change. It really is one of those ones where people have to count the cost and be very intentional of saying, who am I going to multiply into? What am I going to multiply into them? And am I prepared for the commitment of time and for many leaders, the vulnerability of relational access? Because coaching, like you said, Jeremy, involves a degree of being real in depth. An apprenticeship usually means they've got to see you struggle at times. They actually learn by watching what you do and what you get wrong and actually allowing them to process. So, you know, when we're apprenticing people or when we particularly in our world, what you'll find is we often do our day's work. And then at the end of the day, the apprentice wants to, they've got their notebook and they go, okay, so here's all the things I watch you do today. Um, why did you say that to that client at that time? Because you don't normally say that. Or when you did this, I was surprised. And that's one of those ways where that's the costly nature, I think, of the climb and where, you know, you've got to be prepared to give yourself away. It's a very unglamorous, sacrificial overtime. And, you know, some of the people that you do this with will disappoint you. <laughs> they, they will take Absolutely. it. They'll go somewhere else. They won't honor it. But it, it is one of the, it, for me, it's the greatest challenge of leadership. But it's also the one where the greatest sense of satisfaction happens. I think when somebody gets to the top of a mountain and you've helped them get there and they look back and go, I could never have done this without you walking with me, without the encouragement, without the words of affirmation. And, you know, we, we talked, don't we, you were saying earlier about healing, raising up, casting out, that the role of the Sherpa is constantly to be walking with the people that they're multiplying into and actually recognizing the insecurities that everybody has in that process. So I'm passionate about this stuff. I know you are as well, Jez. Some of the best leaders, you think about this, Steve, um, there's, in, in America, there's two football legends. Um, one of them is Vince Lombardi. It's probably the most well-known football coach, the NFL coach, Green Bay Packers. Uh, what's interesting about him is that I think at best, I think he only had one coach that ever went on to become another head coach. Maybe one. Conversely, Tom Landry, who was a Dallas Cowboy, says this is not a Dallas Cowboys versus Green Bay Packers thing, but just sharing. <laughs> Tom Landry, I think he had about 12 to 15 of his assistants that went on to become head coaches. And so the coaching tree, they call it, and uh, who came from a certain leader. And the legacy and the respect and the, the influence that that has. Now, the, on one hand, Vince Lombardi won. He won everything. Uh, he won uh, Super Bowls, and you know he, he was respected for his winning. 
And Tom Landry won Super Bowls, but also had head coaches that went on to do great things. And so it's an, it's an idea uh, here of a different philosophy. And the philosophy, when, when you give yourselves away, you, you actually get it all back. And uh, so what Steve and I are, are attempting to do, and what we're trying to do in our giant world, is we're basically teaching leaders how to become healthy themselves and then how to multiply themselves in everything that they do inside their organizations and how do they build a culture that everyone wants to work in and it's a system. We call it 100X, and it's a system that we help uh, companies do and we help individuals with. When you hear us talk about the X core, when you hear us talk about 100X, it's a process, and we've just learned um, how to do it because it's just very, very difficult, almost like climbing Mount Everest. So that's why we, have, we say um, if you want to really be a climber, if you really want to be a leader, then you're going to need a mountain guide. You're going to need Sherpas. And that's really the role that we play at Giant. We're really just a mountain guide. We're a bunch of Sherpas who are trying to help other people do the same things that we've been trying to do ourselves and learning ourselves. So um, so any last thoughts before I share the kind of a big idea, big thought? Yeah, well, one last thought. And we've been slightly serious today, haven't we, really? I mean, I hope you'll Well, you us. have. Um, I've been kind of cool. Oh, and, okay, yeah. fair enough. And here's here's a... One of our dear friends, a guy called Dwayne Cummins, has written a book, which I'm not sure it's come out yet, but when it does, I'm very envious because the title's cool. It's called Selling Out Your Funeral. And uh, it tied for me into one of the, I guess, visions or challenges I often have for me, and I'll offer it to you who are listening, is if you imagine that you'd reached the end of your life, maybe you're 80 years old, whatever it may be, and you know that you're coming to an end, um, you've got maybe a week left, and everyone who you have been truly significant in their lives had the option to come and say goodbye and to actually tell you, very un-British, but actually come and thank you for the investment, the deposit, the multiplication you've made in their lives. How many people would you want to come? And I think it goes to the, the analogy you just talked about there, Jeremy, is there are plenty of leaders who win and they get their accolades because they were the winners like the Lombardis or whatever. But actually, you imagine, if you have been a Sherpa, if you really have trained, coached, developed, apprenticed leaders, they're the ones who will come and say thank you, and they're the ones who will hopefully go on and do greater things than what you've done. And that really is, the for me, the, the, the kind of the real challenge of day by day. Are you living life as a leader today for the win in the present, or actually are you selling out your funeral or are you actually creating the environment where people all over the world will come and say, you were significant in my life and I'm doing what I do now because of your investment in me in the past? So, you know, that's a bit of vision for you. It's great. So here's the opportunity for any, anyone who's really loves what we're talking about. We've got one crazy opportunity. Now, this is provisional. Please hear this because we're still working out the details. But who uh, John Beatty, who you heard on the last podcast, and if you haven't, go back to podcast number 11 and hear about Mount Everest. Um, he's invited us, and we're exploring what that might look like to actually take a trip to boot camp and to actually climb you mean to boot base camp. Base camp. I said base ba camp. Sorry, boot camp. Base camp. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, boot camp would be in the Marine Corps. No, that's different. <laughs> Uh, to Hell climb, week, that's another trip. <laughs> <laughs> to climb to base camp at Mount Everest, and so which takes some time, and so we're working out the details of costing of, of that uh, time. Uh, but but Steve and I have talked about uh, that being a dream and how fun that might be. And so, if you're interested, if you're interested in this provisional idea, 
then please just send an email, and Justin's going to love this, to justin at giantworldwide.com. <laughs> justin yeah. at giantworldwide.com. And just say, hey, I'm interested for more, to find out more. You're not obligated. We're not either. We're just learning about it. But if you're interested in that, then great. Uh, and then the second part, though, in the same way, if you're interested in not just uh, base camp and climbing to Mount Everest, but you're actually saying, hey, I'm interested in helping. Could you guys help me? Um, whether that's in um, some form of coaching, that's in um, helping with uh, your organization, maybe putting a system together, a leadership academy, uh, taking this and all we've talked about inside your organization. If you're interested in that as well, send that same email to justin at giantworldwide.com and uh, we'll be glad to talk through that with you. And uh, we sure hope you appreciate what we're trying to do. The concept of liberation, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of leading. It's different. All leadership's not equal. When you hear leadership, that doesn't mean all leaders are the same. We're after a very specific style of leadership called liberation. Liberating leaders, they fight for the highest possible good. They calibrate support, high support and high challenge uh, for other people that they're leading. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish in all of our content and our really our lifestyle and what we are a part of. It's all designed for that. So thanks for the listen. Thanks for participating in Liberation. We wish you the very best. Last words, Steve? Goodbye. (laughs) That's very British. Good. Thanks. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.